Today, my message is called, I Will Lead. I want to start out this morning by saying this, and you've heard me say this before, but I believe that the church is a gift to you and I. I believe that it's a gift. I believe that it's one of the greatest gifts that God could give us to give us this gift of the church. A well-known pastor that I have followed over the years says this, the church is the hope of the world. Have you ever gotten a gift? I mean a really good gift. In fact, one that is so good that you thought, you know what, I don't deserve this gift. Have you ever gotten a gift that good? Not a lot of heads are moving. Now, I'm married to Veronica Sue Taylor, okay? So every gift that I get is above the level of the gift that I would get myself, okay? Now, I don't make it a habit of getting gifts for myself, but if I were, okay, and I ask for practical things. I said, one year, I said, honey, you know, I, I really need a chainsaw. So, you know, I'll put that on my Christmas list, you know. And, and I'm honest, I'm thinking of, you know, a Menard special. You know, whatever that brand would be, I, that's what I'm thinking of. You know, just, uh, and, and I, you know what, I rip open that package, you know, on Christmas and, and, and it's uh, an orange case and it says Husqvarna, okay. That's, that's the kind, that's what I'm talking about, okay. Those are the, I, I, you know, so that when I talk about getting a gift that you don't deserve, okay, I get those sorts of gifts from my lovely wife, and it's hard to keep up with that, okay? That's not my love language, okay? My love language is cheap, okay? That's one of my love languages. Uh, but but I, I, got a, I got a gift uh, about a year ago, um, and, um, and it was so crazy, and it was so over the top, and I, I had done nothing to deserve this gift. It was, it was so crazy that I can't even begin to, to fully tell you just how crazy it was, except to say that I, it, it, I wouldn't have even... <laughs> I wouldn't have even done what it took to get there before you got the gift, let alone do that and the gift. I got to spend six nights camping in Alaska and fishing for rainbow trout, fly fishing for seven days. I was, I, I, the smile on my face was so big. It was just, I mean, and fish after fish, just holding them up and, and, and getting pictures. We were fishing, and, and I've, I have the pictures to prove it, 50 feet from, from grizzly bears in the river with us. 50 feet, okay? This, this gift was so crazy. I did nothing to deserve it. I, I didn't earn it. I, I, didn't, I didn't save somebody's life, you know. I, it was, I'm, I'm not kidding you, I didn't, but yet, there it was. Something that I didn't deserve. God has made available for you 
and for me, for everyone that's put our, our trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he has made available to you and I this incredible gift. And, and I want you to understand the, 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 the context of the gift. Romans tells us in chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the what? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So the, the, first, the, the first step of the gift is him giving Jesus Christ, and, and that gift there is a, is a gift that we receive, we, we can only receive it by, by faith. Not a general faith, but a very specific faith. A faith that Jesus is who he says he was, that he did what he said he did, that he died for my sin and for your sin, and that he was raised again on the third day. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In essence, we believe that Jesus is what he said he was and he did what he said he did and that literally there's nothing that we can do to earn this free gift that God has given us. It is simply through faith. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you're saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the what? Gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. You've done nothing to deserve this gift. I've done nothing to deserve this gift. It is all God's idea. That fishing trip in Alaska was not my idea. I turned it down twice. And my wife said, if that gift ever comes your way again, you're taking it. You're accepting it. I did nothing to deserve that. We've done nothing to deserve. In fact, Paul says this, that, that literally, uh, it, it, that, that we, uh, that God demonstrated his love, Romans 5, 8, toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So before we ever said, okay, Lord, I say yes to you. Before we ever made that decision, that gift came our way. So there's, there's literally, there's, there's no decision that you've made. There's no, there's no act that you've done. There's nothing that you, have, you haven't earned it. There's no way that it could be yours any other way than simply God saying that he desired it for us. And when we accepted Jesus, at that moment we became part of his body. Romans 12, 5, it says, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then in Ephesians 5.23, Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Jesus was the first one to use the word church when he proclaimed, I will build my church. The English word for church comes from the Greek word, that is, I'm going to pronounce this right, Kyriakos, meaning belonging to the Lord, which was eventually translated to the word that we now understand, ecclesia, which we get church from. It means people called out from the world and to God, and the outcome being the church. 
and the universal, the total body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into his eternal kingdom, including those who have already died and been received into heaven. That is the church. And you and I, having accepted Christ, are part of it. When we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, when we believe that God has raised him from the dead, we become part of that family. We become part of the whole body of Christ, part of his family, the church. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's not a particular denomination or a theology. It is the whole body of Christ, the souls of men and women from past present, and those who will one day come into it, the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is identified in different and specific geographical locations. The New Testament mentions 33 different churches, specific geographical bodies of believers in the New Testament. All are part of the church, all are made up of those who are part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we are part of the church. And membership into Jesus' church is a gift that has been given to believers by God. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, it's a tough chapter to read. It's a tough chapter to live out. He said that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Think of that. The church, the body of Christ, that Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself up for us all together. Not just individually to save my sins, save me from my sins, but he gave himself up for me as the body of Christ. The church is literally the bride of of Christ and it's a gift to have such a position to receive that you realize that that we are the bride of Christ as his body well the next thing I want to share with you is that the church is also God's family first the, ch- the church is an incredible gift that God has given us second it's it's literally his family Receiving this incredible gift, it doesn't stop here, there's, there's more. Part of the gift that we've received is the, is the legal right to become part of the family of God. A legal right. You know, we think of, of, of serving God, we think of the church as being, you know, it's, it's obviously it's spiritual, but you know, we think of it as being emotional. It's legal. Are you with me? We have the legal right. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought back. There was a legal transaction that was, that was done on our behalf. We were bought back into the family of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 in John's gospel, Jesus said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of of God receiving the free gift grants us legal access into God's family we belong to God's household literally God's line 
Paul says in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our, his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you know, are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. As a child who's part of the family of God, we become an heir in that family. In his letter to the Romans, Paul refers to us as co-heirs together with Christ. Now, what is an heir? Not a hair, an heir. I don't know a lot about hair. I know a little bit about an heir, being an heir. An heir is a person who's legally entitled to the property and the rank of another. This relationship dynamic, family dynamic, it's described in another way when Paul says in Romans 8.15, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. This past summer, we had a really big family event. Um, we, we have another family event uh, on Saturday. Uh, it's a little different one. On Saturday, my dad gets married. Um, and so we're, we're traveling to Wisconsin Friday and got the wedding on Saturday. We'll be back Saturday night. But this summer, my niece Morgan got married. And some of you know my brother Dan and his wife Kristen. And I want to tell you, it was a fantastic wedding. It was spectacular. The, the front of the church was, uh, there were doors. You know, the whole front of the church was just doors. And I walked in and I said, man, what is the, is it, what's the spiritual significance of these doors? Is it like, you know, she's just moving through one door and into a new phase in her life? And my brother Dan says, no, nah, doors are just in right now. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I got to, I got, you know, I, I got to have part of the service. I, and I, I, to, I teased and I, I said, thank you, Morgan, for you know, inviting me to be part of the service as your favorite uncle. And, um, and so I, they had me walk, you know, I got to walk down the middle aisle with the groom, you know, before the service started. And I got to do the, you know, who gives this woman to be married to this man part. And, and it, was, it was awesome. We had such a great time. Uh, my brother did a great job. You know, it's tough when you do your kid's wedding. I, you know, when Benjamin got married and Amy, he and Amy got married, I was emotional. You know, it was, it was a challenge, um, and, and, and you want everything to go perfect, you know. I had a key, that I, an old school, like, vintage key that, that I was giving them to represent, you know, the, the, the doors that my brother Dan just said were cool. I wanted a, a, a tie-in with a key, and so I put that, I checked right before the service. Okay, I got the key, and it's, it's an old skeleton key. Slipped it back in my pocket, and when I get to that part of the service and I go to get that key out of my pocket what I didn't realize is when I thought I put it back in my pocket I was not in my pocket and I let it go and it fell on the floor off the side of the stage you want it to be perfect that day at my at my niece's wedding I mean we we we, we went to this this farm and there's this huge barn it was spectacular I'm telling you that DJ never saw so many people have a good time that that didn't have a lick of alcohol in them as they did that day I am telling you 
I, I danced till I could hardly walk, okay? And it was, we sweat, it was so hot, and I was soaked to the core numerous times. It was so much fun. And, and my brother got up and said some wonderful things, you know, and, and, and you know, to his daughter, and it was, it was awesome. And never once during that whole ceremony, during that reception, did it ever come up that she's adopted. She's their only child. I'm telling you, they did it right. It was spectacular. All of their love, all of their desire was focused on that one person, their adopted daughter, who they don't look at as being adopted. She's just their daughter. God looks at you and I, and he adopted us, and we are legally in the family. And he loves us, he's done everything for us, and you and I are part of that family. It was God's plan from the beginning. Scripture uses the word predestined, that God ahead of time thought about, how can I get these people into my family? I know I will set up the plan of salvation so that I can adopt them back into my family. They've been taken away from me by sin, and now I'm going to bring them back. It was his plan from the very beginning to make as many as received him to be part of his family. Imagine that God's plan was from the very beginning to adopt us into his family. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, John the Beloved says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. We are the children of God. Can you believe that? Can you believe that you and I are part of his family? Can you believe that together we are here at Silver Creek Church that we are part of his family. The body of Christ. We are his family. And we're part of that family with Harvey Baptist across the street. We're part of that family down the street with St. Louis the King. We're part of that with Water's Edge. We're part of that with Bethel. We're part of that with New Life. We're part of that with churches all over our community. We're part of the body of Christ. We're part of the family of God. As individuals, but also corporately, we're part of that family. I sincerely believe that the church is God's gift to those who proclaim that Jesus is Lord. What an honor to be invited into the family of God with the full rights of being a son and a daughter of God. I still remember the day I called my now father-in-law, Wally Anderson, and I said, Wally, I'd like to ask you if I could marry your daughter. 
He could have said which one, but he didn't. He knew which one I was after. And he said, thank you for asking. We'd love to have you marry our daughter. I was in the family. She's in my family. We're now a family. But we stood there in front of people in 1984, I had to think for a second because I didn't want to make a mistake. And you know what we did? We had a legal ceremony. And in that church in St. Louis Park, a suburb of Minneapolis, legally, we became part of the same family. And her mom and dad accepted me into their family and my mom and dad accepted her into our family. What an incredible gift that God has given us to be in his family. Now, maybe your experience with your family or your in-laws has not been a good one. That doesn't mean that we should project that onto God. God has invited us to be a part of his family. The thing that I love to think about with my niece, Morgan, who I mentioned a moment ago, her adoption was an open adoption. Her birth mother picked my brother and sister-in-law out of a pool of applicants and said, I'd like my daughter to go to this family. And my brother and my sister-in-law had the ability to say yes or no to that child. And so Dan and Kristen, they picked her. Her mother picked them. Think about that, that God has picked you and I. He didn't have to do that, but he selected us. And and, and scripture says, whoever believes in him, he gives that right. He gives that legal right of adoption. He gives that to anyone who will believe. What an honor that it is. Now, I know that there's no such thing as a perfect family. I know that. Some of you are like, now he's getting to the real preaching. <laughs> it's, it's true, there's no such thing. I, some of you, 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 you might have visions uh, that are crazy about what my family and my, my life are like, that somehow, you know, my family is perfect because somehow pastors must be different, okay? But it's not true. We're families just like everybody else, okay? Now, I have wonderful kids. I I won't kid you. They're, They're great. I love them. I have a wife that has put up with me now for 34 years. She's amazing because it takes a lot to put up with me that long. But, but there's no such thing as a perfect family. And, and I'll tell you what, if, if this is your first Sunday or maybe you haven't been here at Silver Creek very many times, I'm gonna tell you this. We know that we're not perfect. We know that our families are not perfect. We are just real people. As the husband and father of my own family, I know that I fall short 
of perfection. In fact, John, in 1 John chapter 1, he said that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's no such thing as a perfect family. Your family is not perfect. My family is not perfect. No matter how hard you may try to project that your family is perfect, it's not perfect. We know that. And if you hang out with people in a church long enough, you're going to know that they're not perfect. Okay? You're going to know it. That's part of life. That's part of doing life together as the church. And so there's no need to project that we are perfect. There's also no such thing as a perfect church. It's impossible. There is no perfect church. You can turn on your television and you can watch a church service 24 hours a day somewhere. You can go on YouTube. I, I, I did it this morning. I, when, I'm, when I'm getting ready on Sunday morning, I'm thinking, hey, I need somebody preaching at me. So I, I open YouTube and I, I listen to a message while I'm getting ready on Sunday morning. Why? I want to get fed. I want to get fed on Sunday as well. And we see, you know, they, they did a pull-away shot and, and the lights, you know, were just incredible and they had atmospheric stuff and so the lights really had like beams going through them and, and, and it was, I mean, it was spectacular. I am sure that they never have technological glitches in that system ever. And if they did, they've got backups and they've got backups for their backups and it's perfect. Listen, there is no such thing as a perfect church. No such thing. And if you think that there is, you are sadly mistaken. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect board. They can be close, okay? And we've got a good one. But there's no such thing as a, a perfect ministry coordinator. There's no such thing as a, as a perfect team leader. There's no such thing as perfect people in the church. We're all called to serve and to lead as part of God's family. Romans chapter 12. Paul says this beginning at verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We're all part of the same body, friends. It's the body of Christ, the family of God. We don't have the same function, but everyone has a function. We belong to each other. I belong to you and you belong to me. We have different gifts and every gift is needed and absolutely necessary. We need to use the abilities that God has given to us and don't worry about the gifts that you don't have. I close with this. 
growing up in the Taylor household, uh, in fact, somebody asked me last night, they said, man, why are you driving that Chevy? I said, brand loyalty, baby. It, it paid for my meals for the first 18 years of my life, okay? My dad worked at the GM plant in Janesville, and he built, uh, they built trucks there, they built, they built Chevys, and, and I, man, I'm loyal. I, I got to drive one, you know? So I'm going to drive a GM product. My dad would say, you know, I, I wish that I had done more with my life than just work at General Motors. Started thinking about this. My dad taught my Sunday school class while I was in high school. And we had a, a, a big graduating class, a much bigger graduating class than other kids did. Um, and, and there was a, I mean, it was a full classroom of teenage kids. And they were, they, they could be a little bit rough. My dad, on Tuesday nights, my dad would go to, it was a kind of a facility like Snowberry. It was a retirement, you know, high rise. My dad would do a service every Tuesday night and he would preach. And of course he needed music and so guess who he looked at, you know, all the time wanted me to come sing. And that's, that's how I grew up, watching my dad do that. I don't know what about your kids, but but I, I you know when I was a kid the 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 we wore Sears tough skin pants and I had to wear huskies. Okay, that was just that was what they called the size that I wore. When my dad would come home, I checked his lunchbox every day for a snack that he may have missed. But you know what I saw instead of a snack in that lunch pail? I saw his Bible. I saw his Bible. And that Bible was weathered and worn. My dad served in that church. My, my mom served in that church. When I was real young, my folks camped every weekend. When they came to know Jesus, they sold their camper and bought an organ so my mom could practice and be able to play in church. And my mom played in church for almost 40 years my dad was disappointed, thought he should have done something different with his life, but by serving. My brothers and I, at this point in life, have spent over 65 years in full-time ministry. Two of us, from the time we were in college, my brother Mark has served in full-time ministry and believes that God is calling him back there again at some point. Why? Because my dad led his family to love the church, to serve the body of Christ. Our series, I Will, I Will Lead. We don't have to always lead on, on the large scale, but if God's given you the gift of leadership, do it. But most of us, God has given us a family. And we can lead that family into a healthy relationship with the body of Christ so that as they grow, they become part of it. And they want to see what God can do through them. It's such a joy to be a part of this body of Christ, this 
part of God's family. It's great to serve alongside a son who also feels the same way about this body that I feel. And I'm glad that as our kids have grown, that they've said, you know what, I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to serve in that capacity. God has given you and I that opportunity to lead our families. You say, Pastor, you do not understand. You, you might have three kids under six. I don't, I don't know. What, what life is like for each of you right now as I, as, you know, I can't comprehend that. But God has called you and I to lead our kids up, to see them grow up in the faith, to become part of the body of Christ. And I believe that when we do that, indeed, the church is the hope of the world because the church is the body of Christ. Amen?